Welcome back to another episode of the Retail Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, XR, and this week, we're switching up the formula a bit and bringing you a very, very unique episode that I decided to write. We're going to be diving in and exploring the history and impacts of rock and roll music and fashion. Now, this is going to be part one of two-part series. Uh, part two is actually going to be coming out tomorrow. Um, part one is going to be more of a monologue discussion, just all by myself. It's a pretty long, extensive script that I wrote. And we're going to be starting in around the 1960s and 1970s, taking us all the way to the modern era and talking about the bands and the figureheads that have changed not only rock music, but fashion today. As I mentioned, this is going to be two parts of a series. Tomorrow, for part two, we're bringing on a guest, a fellow YouTuber and content creator, Mr. Josh Galdo, and he'll help us discuss how current trends are paying respect to rock music despite rap and hip-hop's enduring prevalence in the culture. This was one hell of an episode to write. I know there was a couple of delays. Uh, I finally purchased a new cord for my mic, so hopefully... The podcast will sound as good as y'all remember it used to being. And honestly, I'm just super excited to get right into it. But before we begin, I'll share a quote from one of my favorite designers, a man who doesn't need an introduction, Mr. Eddie Slimon. Quote, music has shaped men's fashion and transposed in a playful and witty manner its writings or military heritage. It is difficult to figure out who leads, but music and fashion are connected genetically. They create those sonic and stylish tributes that would define decades. Early 50s rockers, mods, teddy boys, punks, grunge, new wave, etc. End quote. And that's roughly the timeline that we're going to be taking on today's journey. So before we get right into it, if you're a fan of the show, please leave a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. It really helps us out. And because this is going to be a little bit more of a monologue episode, no other guest for today, I uh, hope you all can grab like a coffee, grab a drink, get cozy, whether you're doing chores, you're sitting around the house today, whatever it be, I hope you all relax and enjoy the show. Let's get right into it. The 1960s was a time of seismic cultural shifts when rebellion and creativity danced hand in hand. The world was in the throes of a counterculture movement, a passionate reaction to the societal norms and political unrest of the day. It was an era of anti-establishment sentiment, civil rights activism, and a thirst for personal freedom. In the midst of this swirling cultural maelstrom, one thing became abundantly clear. Fashion was no longer just about clothing. It was a powerful statement of identity, a visual manifesto of defiance. One iconic emblem of this defiance was flared pants, often called bell-bottoms. Popular today, and they have for decades, bell-bottoms were the symbol of the era. They embodied the carefree, rebellious times of the 1960s. Picture this, a sea of young people clad in vibrantly colored, wildly patterned bell-bottoms, swaying to the hypnotic sounds of bands like Jefferson Airplane, The Doors, and Jimi Hendrix. These psychedelic rock anthems, often fueled by mind-expanding experiences, created a kaleidoscopic world of sound and vision. And the fashion of the era was an extension of this sensory journey. The psychedelic-inspired fashion of the 60s was characterized by its bold, swirling patterns and vibrant colors. Psychedelic posters adorned with intricate designs became concert staples, 
and these visuals seeped into the clothing too. Tie-dye shirts with bursts of colors and trippy patterns were a staple of the hippie wardrobe. But beyond that too, fringe vests, headbands, and flowy maxi dresses completed the look. It was a style that whispered freedom, rebellion, and unity. Peace signs, flower power, and the make love not war ethos was emblazoned on clothing, a visual reminder of the desire for a more harmonious world. And the counterculture movement wasn't just about the music and fashion. It was a call for change, for a different way of living and being. As the 1960s gave way to the 1970s, the counterculture movements evolved. But the spirit of rebellion and self-expression continued to pulse through the veins of society. It was against this backdrop that rock music's influence on fashion would take an even heavier, more electrifying turn. Let's take a look. Led Zeppelin, a band that needs no introduction burst onto the rock scene in the late 1960s and early 70s, forever altering the course of music and fashion. Led by the legendary quartet of Robert Plant, Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones, and John Bonham, they crafted a sound that was unparalleled and a stage presence that was equally spellbinding. Now, what made Led Zeppelin truly unique for its time was their groundbreaking fusion of blues, hard rock, and psychedelia, creating a sonic landscape that was raw, emotional, and larger than life. Their music was a mesmerizing blend of heavy guitar riffs, thunderous drums, and Robert Plant's howling vocals. It was a sound that transcended boundaries and ignited the spirits of fans all around the world. But it wasn't just the music that set them apart. It was also the fashion, particularly guitarist Jimmy Page and his stage costumes, which pushed the boundaries of rock and roll aesthetics. Jimmy Page's stage wear, inspired by his fascination of the occult and mythology, was truly a sight to behold for its time. He often adorned himself in flowy, embroidered velvet robes and capes, which evoke a sense of like wizardry and otherworldly mysticism. These costumes transported the audience to a realm where music and magic were intertwined. And if you look at Jimmy Page's outfits, you can clearly see the influence that they had on designers like Eddie Slimane and Heider Ackerman. Page's use of symbols and accessories like the dragon embroidered jumpsuit and his double-necked Gibson guitar further accentuated the band's image. His on-stage persona was that of a music sorcerer, casting spells with his guitar and captivating audiences with every note. Led Zeppelin's fashion choices weren't just about style. They were an integral part of the band's storytelling. Each costume, each accessory was a visual extension of their music taking the audience on a journey into the fantastical realms their songs often explored. Their influence on fashion wasn't just about clothing, it was about the transformational power of style, a testament to the idea that fashion could be an instrument of self-expression, rebellion, and much, much more. The 1980s marked a pivotal era in the history of rock music, and new innovations in recording technology ushered in a new era of electronic music. At the same time, the punk movement, which had emerged in the 1970s, continued to evolve and influence the music and fashion of the decade. But the 80s were about more than just one genre. It was a time of musical experimentation and synthesis. Let's start with punk, a rebellious and DIY-driven style that was a direct reflection of the genre's raw and unapologetic sound. Punk was all about breaking the rules, and its fashion was no exception. Punk fashion was characterized by torn clothing, safety pins, leather jackets adorned with patches, band t-shirts, all together in a very blue-collar-rooted movement. It was a deliberate rejection of mainstream fashion trends, a defiant statement against the establishment. 
punk icons like the Sex Pistols and the Ramones were known for their iconic looks, which became synonymous with the movement. We have the 80s to thank for iconic wardrobe staples still popular today. Combat boots, band tees, DIY, thrash clothes, you name it. We owe a big respect to the music of this era for a lot of the fashion sensibilities that still resonate today. As the 80s rolled in, some bands began to blend elements of punk with a more moody, atmospheric sound, giving rise to a subgenre known as New Wave. One of the most notable bands in this, this new movement was, of course, The Cure, led by the enigmatic Robert Smith. The Cure's music had a melancholic and introspective quality that set them apart from traditional punk bands. And just like their music, their fashion was a reflection of this moody, atmospheric aesthetic. Robert Smith, with his unruly teased hair and smeared lipstick, became an iconic figure in the alternative music scene. His distinctive look included oversized, disheveled clothing, often layered in dark, flowy shirts, and plenty of black eyeliner. Smith's appearance embodied a sense of gothic romanticism that resonated with fans. The Cure's fashion sensibility was a departure from the punk uniform of ripped jeans and leather jackets. It embraced a sense of ambiguity and introspection, mirroring the introspective themes of the music. The band's fans, often known as Cureheads, embraced this fashion, creating a distinct subculture within the larger alternative music scene. Additionally, the rise of electronic music and synth-pop in the 80s introduced a new sonic palette and fashion sense to the scene. Artists like Depeche Mode, New Order, embraced synthesizers and drum machines, creating a futuristic sound that was accompanied by a sleek, minimalist, all-black fashion look. Tight leather pants, futuristic sunglasses, slick black hair became hallmarks of the synth-pop look, styles that are still clearly popular today. The 1990s, a decade of seismic shifts in music and fashion. It was a time when the rebellious spirit of rock music took on a new form known as grunge. Born in the Pacific Northwest, grunge emerged as a stark contrast to the dated-sounding glam and hair metal rock of the 1980s. And we're going to explore how grunge reshaped the music and fashion landscape, diving in specifically with two iconic figures during this time, the late Kurt Cobain and Lane Staley. Grunge was a musical and cultural response to the excess and the theatrics of the previous decade's rock scene. Bands like Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and Soundgarden become the torchbearers of this raw, unpolished sound. But it's, but it's important to note that there were plenty of other smaller groups in the Seattle era that helped define what the sound would eventually become. Nirvana, led by the enigmatic Kurt Cobain, was the poster child for grunge. Their music was characterized by its gritty, distorted guitar riffs, introspective lyrics, and Cobain's distinct, raspy voice. But it wasn't just the music that defined this era, it was also the fashion. Grunge fashion was a stark departure from the glitzy, flashy styles of the 80s, as I mentioned before. It was about comfort, authenticity, and a rejection of traditional fashion norms. Grunge fashion was characterized by its simplicity. It often featured elements like flannel shirts, ripped jeans, and chunky scuffed up boots, and of course, sneakers like Converse. This was clothing that had been worn in, that told the story, and that exuded a sense of nonchalance. Kurt Cobain, in particular, became an unwitting fashion icon of the grunge movement. His disheveled thrift store look, complete with his signature cardigans and unkept hair, epitomized the anti-glamour of grunge. There's a little bit of irony to it, but it's, an, it's a clearly a style that resonates with people today. Lane Staley, the lead vocalist of Alice in Chains, was another influential figure in the grunge scene. 
His styles were less overtly casual than Cobain, sure, but still embodied the spirit of grunge. Staley often wore leather jackets, flannel shirts, and dark sunglasses, creating a brooding and mysterious persona that complemented the band's darker and heavier sound. As we mentioned, the fashion of grunge wasn't about making a statement. It was about rejecting the superficiality of the mainstream and embracing a more authentic and raw aesthetic. The grunge movement left an unprecedented mark on both music and fashion, ushering in this unique era of simplicity and individuality. It was a rebellion against the excess of the past, and in some ways, a return to the roots of rock music. Raw, emotional, and unfiltered. You could even argue our current obsession with DIY and thrifting started in the 80s, but really took off during the grunge era. Before we move on, we have to talk about Fear of God, and of course, the Jerry Boy era of the 2010s. Clearly inspired by grunge, Fear of God at this time, and a lot of other fast fashion retailers for that matter, the looks were dominated by skinny jeans, blown out knees, band tees, and flannels. And of course, Yeezys on feet, kind of blending in elements of hip-hop and grunge. Now, the problem with this particular era in fashion is that while it tried to pay respects to grunge, it missed out on one key aspect of the movement. And that, of course, is the music. I would argue when H&M, Zara, and Forever 21 started printing fake banties, Metallica, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, etc., that's when the style started to lose a little bit more of its authenticity. Now, let's try to compare this with something today. Gen Z is clearly taking a lot of inspiration from Y2K, from new metal, and from alternative music in the, in the 2000s. However, this time feels a lot more authentic than when my generation tried to implement this revitalization of grunge in the 2010s. And it feels different because it seems like Gen Z is actually interested in the music. Whereas I would argue in the 2010s, one of the reasons why the trend ended up falling short and never really caught on after a few years was because it was just skin deep. It was about the look, it was about the fashion, it was about the grunge aesthetic, but it was never really about the music. And I would argue that we have platforms like TikTok and Instagram Reels to thank, because not only is Gen Z getting in front of the camera, showing their Y2K fits, showing their outfits that, you know, wreak a sense of nostalgia for a lot of us, but they're also incorporating the music of this era, and it feels more authentic. And I would argue, in the long run, the trend is going to stay more relevant because of that. The dawn of the new millennium brought with it a futuristic and rebellious fashion sensibility that was perfectly encapsulated by the emergence of new metal. It was a genre defined by not only its aggressive bounce riffs, but also its distinctive style that drew inspiration from punk and hip hop. The new metal, a fusion of heavy guitars, rap elements, and electronic textures, emerged as a dominant force that really started in the late 90s. Bands like Linkin Park, Limp Bizkit, and Korn defined this period, creating a sound that resonated with the angst and uncertainty of the era. Linkin Park, of course, was led by Chester Bennington and Mike Shinoda, and they became the face of the genre. Their music was characterized by a potent mix of aggressive guitars, Shinoda's rapping, and Bennington's emotional voice, rest in peace. But of course, another aspect that set them apart was the fashion. The members of Linkin Park often sported a blend of styles that perfectly encapsulated the Y2K aesthetic. Baggy cargo pants, chunky boots, oversized hoodies were all staples of their wardrobe. And their fashion often featured a dark cyberpunk edge 
reminiscent of iconic characters from The Matrix and even Blade. It was the era of spiky hair, choker necklaces, and leather jackets. The Matrix's sleek, dystopian look had a significant influence on new metal fashion, as well did hip-hop. Leather, PVC, and shiny metallics were common materials used in clothing, creating an otherworldly and rebellious vibe. The new metal movement and the Y2K era was characterized not only by its fashion, but also by its subversion of traditional genre boundaries. Rap and rock had seamlessly merged in the music, reflecting the blurred lines between reality and virtuality in a rapidly advancing digital age. Fast forward to today, and we see a resurgence of Y2K fashion and the revival of new metal influence, as I mentioned, especially with Gen Z. The iconic styles of the early 2000s, with their futuristic, Matrix-inspired looks, have made a comeback. Baggy pants, graphic tees, chunky sneakers are all the rage once again. I would argue that the revival of new metal bands like Linkin Park and other era, other bands from this era, excuse me, showcase how music and fashion have the power to transcend time and inspire new generations. Look no further than brands like Balenciaga, and you'll quickly be able to draw some parallels, for better or for worse, between runway shows and hybrid theory era photo shoots. And of course, the 2000s saw the rise of a new musical and fashion phenomenon known as pop punk. Bands like Blink-182, Green Day, and later groups like Neck Deep defined this genre, bringing with them a distinctive style that resonated with a new generation of young people. Pop punk was characterized by its catchy melodies and thematic choruses and lyrics that often dealt with themes of adolescence, love, and rebellion. Blink-182, Sum 41, and Green Day, to name a few, hit fans with their infectious hooks and playful attitude. Pop punk was also about casual, comfort, and relatable style. Bands like Blink-182 were known for their laid-back California skater aesthetic, and this look featured baggy cargo pants, graphic tees, sneakers, often worn with colorful and mismatched socks, you know the whole deal. Iconic band merchandise and logo tees became staples of pop punk fashion, allowing fans to proudly display their musical allegiances. The Warped Tour era, a traveling punk and alternative rock festival, became a breeding ground for this distinctive style. This is obviously where the scene kid look came out of, and it blended these elements of pop, yet like a little bit of, a, of an emo flair to it. Skinny jeans, vans, long teased hair, eyeliner, you get the whole deal. That era, in a lot of ways, did pull influences from grunge, but it's still felt new and fresh. Contemporary pop punk bands like Neck Deep, while pushing the genre forward, are paying respects to the to the iconic fashion of their predecessors, and they too embrace a relaxed and approachable style. The fashion of the pop punk Warped Tour era transcended music venues and became a cultural phenomenon on and platforms like Tumblr and early Instagram, influencing my generation, and clearly you're seeing some of that influence come back with Gen Z. Now, I know we've clearly left a lot on the table. There are literally thousands of bands and hundreds of subgenres of music that have helped define what we all were today. I once heard a powerful quote on the roots of heavy metal. Defining who was the first metal band is like trying to distinguish when red becomes orange and when blue becomes purple. It's impossible because it's all a spectrum. There isn't a single event, rather a plethora of smaller events that help answer the question at hand. So where does that leave us today? Well, while rap and hip hop have dominated street culture and fashion for the last two decades, 
I would argue that rock music is slowly returning to the zeitgeist, thanks to platforms like TikTok, which has been instrumental in reviving heavier music to Gen Z. Bands like Led Zeppelin, Deftones, Nirvana, and modern hardcore outfits are receiving hundreds of millions of views on TikTok, introducing a previous aesthetic to a new generation of consumers. Fashion is cyclical, and with the growing influence of Y2K aesthetics and mainstream culture, I would argue it's an exciting time for fashion and rock music. We've seen rappers embrace a more heavier, moodier, metal type aesthetic. I mean, just look at Playboy Cardi, Suicide Boys, Ghostman, even Juice World, right? They all embrace this kind of rock and roll spirit that has helped bring that kind of culture to mainstream audiences through rap music. Gen Z, I think we have to thank a lot for this revitalization of the music, right? TikTok has been so instrumental in bringing new young audiences to music from decades past. And as I mentioned with the Jerry Boy example earlier, I would offer that this time it's a lot more genuine and a lot more impactful. Because the music and the fashion are now sharing, I would argue, equal space in the ecosystem, rock music is having a very important moment right now. And that moment is going to help define what the trends will be in the next five years. A bold prediction, maybe. Is it a little bit of copium because I grew up listening to heavier music? Maybe it is. But I can't help but think that platforms like TikTok, like Instagram, I can't help but think that this revival of Y2K is all an indication that rock music is once again on the cutting edge of coming back to the mainstream. Thank you all so much for joining part one of this two-part series. As I mentioned, this was more of a monologue, so hopefully uh, y'all didn't get too tired of hearing my voice for this long. But tomorrow I'm going to be uploading the interview with Josh Galdo, where we take some of these points discussed today and develop them further through his lens, right? Somebody who grew up listening to heavier music, somebody who you know, clearly you can tell in his style takes influences from the things that he listened to in his past. Super excited for you guys to hear that interview. I think it came out great and it does connect very well with what we talked about today. As always, thank you all so much for listening to the Retail Therapy Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. And as I mentioned before, it's literally impossible to cover every decade, every band, every subgenre of fashion. So please hit us up on Discord, hit us up on Instagram. If there's a decade or a particular movement that you think needs more attention, we can do an episode on it. Why not? All right, y'all. As always, thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you very shortly. Rock on. Peace.